record. Ah, it hit. All right, we are back. Uh, a late edition of the Flashcard podcast. Uh, we're talking greatness. We conquered a little bit of greatness this last week in our Leadership Academy. If you haven't signed up, you should. Uh, and we were talking a lot about uh, what it is and what it takes to be great and what it takes to withstand that and, and what it looks like on and off the field. Um, just by and I in the studio today, uh, he's currently crushing the rest of his burger. I was going to ask him a question, but I don't think he's even ready. Dude, I've been trying to stay so quiet, but my mouth is full and I'm ready to go, baby. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's exactly what they want to hear. Um, <laughs> so okay let's get started then by greatness off the top what is the most important thing uh that all great athletes do i believe there's there's three things i think the main one though if we had to dumb it down to one is a belief a belief in themselves a belief that they can do it a belief that they can conquer any obstacle or adversity that's thrown their way and a belief that they can accomplish the dreams that they set out for themselves. I think if your dream's not getting laughed at, it might not be big enough. And I know some of you may have heard that before, some maybe not, but it really resonated with me because when you hear somebody's dream, you're like, wow, either it's really powerful or you're kind of selling yourself short. Like God didn't make you to just do that. Like he wanted you to do something incredible. So I think it's a belief. It all stems from there. And then a vision, right? Having a vision of where you want to go and then working with intent and working with a purpose and everything that you do. And learning with intent, too. I think we've experienced a lot of adversity the last couple of weeks, Ray, on our end, between Showcase, Youth Camp, Leadership yep. Academy, and different things through this month that we haven't experienced this whole time, which we've been really grateful for. But I think true champions, they recognize those moments. They might get a lapse in motivation, like Conor McGregor says, but they bounce right back, they get it done, and they adapt. And how much of a G is that guy? Oh, incredible. <laughs> incredible. That That video that you showed me, Ray, oh, Fill them in. Fill them in on it. What do you, do you know? What that video was called? It is called Conor McGregor. I got it pulled up. Hang on, Conor McGregor. Incredible interview about life, and then one of those little blocks. So inspiring by the Mulligan Brothers. Eighteen hundred views. It is epic. Sixteen minutes worth your time. Worth it, and it's it's just kind of a long clip of quotes and interview clips and stuff like that cut together with you know clips of his life, but. Um, you know, he stands out to me, obviously, because he's the little guy from the small town in Ireland, and nobody thought he could make it. And he's just had that chip, um, you know, a Dustin Pedroia like chip on his shoulder since day one. But he stands out to me because that the walk, I mean, his walk when he's walking into a, an arena, or he knocks a dude out and he swings the arms. Uh, to me, like, yeah, it's confidence. It's probably a little cocky and some swagger, but like that dude knows he's a dude, you mm. know, like great athletes know they're great. He might be a little less humble than some, <laughs> but he, he, he shows it and he knows it. He doesn't look scared. No, never scared. And, and I think you hear a lot about, is he confident or is he cocky? And then some athletes mistake confidence for cockiness and others mistake cockiness for confidence and and then cockiness is when you try and outwardly show how good you are without producing the results. And confidence is the demeanor that Conor McGregor shows. He walks like he's got it and he backs it up in the ring every single time. So 
the champions. You see LeBron James, that dude's cool as a pillow. You see Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Michael Phelps, some of the best athletes ever. And then same with the coaches, right? You see Mike Krzyzewski for Duke. You see um, Gino Ariella, I believe his name. I forget the last name, kind of t- tough. But for UConn, Huskies women basketball. Ariyama. Yeah, Ariyama, yeah, legend. Tried to find his email, by the way, to, to get him on an interview. And that thing is like Fort Knox. You can't find it. <laughs> it was nowhere. He doesn't want to be contacted. No shot. I <laughs> know. Not by us, man. Come on, man. We wanted to get you on to talk about some mindset, leadership, culture aspects. Um, but uh, so, Gino, if you're listening, come on. <laughs> we want you. But um, I think the biggest thing is they just have that belief. And you, you know when a good athlete is great. You, you can see it. Yeah, it's interesting you brought up the coach aspect because there's great coaches and it's almost a different uh, different set of skills. Um, but the dedication to the craft is always there. Um, and I really liked what um, Conor McGregor says, and we're going back to that video, but he said that your internal dialogue has to be tougher than the external, what you're going to be told and the, op- the obstacles that you're going to face because there's going to be just so many people like the minute you start showing some success, somebody wants to knock you down. And that's just the way life goes. You know, there people would much rather climb up the backs of, of people that are starting to show a little success than put in the work themselves. And that's just, you know, the reality. So if you are, you know, in that fight or trying to, trying to be great at something, you just got to know that you're going to take some licks um, and if you want to be great, Conor McGregor says that your internal dialogue's got to be elite. It's it, that's the the only thing that can take you down. It's the greatest enemy, and it's it's spiritual warfare out there. Um, I truly believe that that uh, there are are things out there that are trying to take away from our confidence, our belief in ourselves, and, and everything like that. So what we do with, with what kind of just going off Conor McGregor talking about the internal versus the external and the thoughts that creep into our mind, right? Over 65,000 thoughts, over 95% of those each day are the exact same ones we thought the day before. That is ridiculous to me. And when I, when I hear those statistics, I think about what we get to teach our athletes everywhere we go. One, identify the signal. What signal trips you up inside? What are the things that you keep thinking of that are tripping you up to replace the thought with something more serving? more powerful, right? Not positive, but let's be powerful. I can do this. I got this. Let's do it. And then three, taking action, making a move. We can sit inside and and dream all day, but if we don't go take action, nothing ever happens. So I think just those three simple steps, if you're listening for your kids, your athletes, or even yourself, right? Using some of these things, using myself and it's hard. You got to have self-awareness, but it's that internal versus external dialogue that can totally get in our way or it could be our best friend and serve us on our way to our passions and our dreams. The lifespan of the athlete, and this is all athletes. Uh, if we're looking at baseball players, you can go anywhere from you know quitting in t-ball to the big leagues. But that lifespan it gets longer the further that that athlete sees themselves. So mm. if I in t-ball visualize myself becoming a big leaguer, I'm telling everybody I want to be a big leaguer. The likelihood of me getting there grows with every day of my belief. Uh, it, vice versa, if a guy doesn't see himself as, you know, we'll say a D1 player, rarely does that guy sh- step up and all of a sudden slam into D1, you know. So dress for the job you want, you know, show up and be ready to roll. And if your name gets called, it gets called. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But you got to be ready. Mm, yep, there's the, the classic saying, 
be ready so you don't have to get ready. <laughs> and, and it's another cheesy just tagliner, man. Coaches like tagliners. They love it. Uh, but when you hear that, it's it's so true. Like, if we just prepared like a champion, if we looked at championship preparation, the greatest, what do the greats do to prepare? The greatness is found in your process and the things that you do to prepare yourself for your game. And it's also found in your routines. And when I look at just peak performing athletes in general, I see elite level routines. And that doesn't mean that it takes 50 minutes, right? All it is is strong mind, strong body, ultimate confidence. I get into the game feeling in my flow state. And, and Ray, you did an awesome blog the other week about mindfulness and, and some awesome stuff that you've been learning and, and that you've inspired me to dig into more. And um, when I look at that and I read it, I'm like, man, there's so much good that can come out of this if we're just aware of our own thoughts and if we are, are able to connect with our breath. But with that, it's that's the true superpower. If you talk about peak performers, they're very, very calm under pressure and not a lot of things get to them. They're going to get rattled, but they overcome it and they look at it as an opportunity instead of an obstacle. The saying goes, success is when opportunity meets preparation. And mm. if you prepare like you're going to win the World Series or going to be a big leaguer, if your opportunity comes, you're ready. And, and that's when the success happens. Uh, you got to do the work on the front end to get the reward in the back end. And uh, I really like what uh, Coach Floor and Coach Ungrich over at USD would say, you know, easy to hard or hard to easy. How do you want it? And, and we'd kind of display that to the team at the start of the fall is you're either going to make this fall tough because it's going to be uncomfortable and we're going to push you, or we could take the cushy route. And by the time season rolls around, it's going to be uh, a whole world of pain because it's a, a, a whole different ball game at that point. Dude, that is so good. I got to write that down too. <laughs> easy to hard, hard to easy. That is that is spot on, man. Shout out to them. That's awesome. But uh, it's something that yeah, you, you you trust in your preparation, man. And that's where I think some of your confidence is found. I believe it's also found in some results. You you want to get some feedback from what you do, but uh, it's truly found in preparation. And when you look at the greats, they do things the right way. And by doing things the right way, all I mean by that is. They get in the weight room, they take care of their body, they eat the right way, they spend money on themselves to help their bodies become stronger and better in all fashions, right? And, and you talk about inflammation, we talk about diet and the things that we're putting into our body. And sometimes I got to check my own self, but you, you, you see the inflammation risk for athletes, which increases the risk for injury, which causes more soreness, which has our body feeling more fatigued, we get worse sleep. And this stuff starts to pile up on us. It's, it, you don't notice it much in travel ball or a high school season, but when you start getting into college and you got four or five games a week, sometimes double headers, you got travel and you got school, and then you see it in professional sports, it becomes sometimes a grind. And, and that's where the true leaders, the true champions step up and, and they do some preventative measures to make sure that they're prepared in the season. That's really good, right? The season, the jump, you know, there's a lot of high schoolers out there that are playing travel ball and, and doing, putting together 50, 60 game seasons. You get to high, um, college, it's 54, uh, unless you're playing, you know, with the Juco Bandits. Sometimes it's 100 <laughs> in a, you know, one season or whatever. Uh, and then you go off to your summer ball. But you're, we're talking to some of our players in college, and it's like 54 games, dude, that's not even the all star break. <laughs> like you're yeah. not even close yeah the, like in order to really be great i think it's it's not just showing up i, I was looking at this picture and I, I i'm not even gonna 
sh- share my screen with you, but I'd have to uh, allow it too, and I don't think I should. Allow I don't it. care that you see it. I'm just going to tell you what it is. Uh, it's a it's a eight of the best athletes of all time, the greatest. It's Ooh. Michael Jordan. We got Tiger Woods, Michael Phelps, Federer, Wayne Gretzky, the great one, Muhammad Ali, uh, Babe Ruth, and a washed up Tom Brady. But, oh uh, <laughs> come on! You're telling okay, he's great. A, he's, he is the greatest of all time. All right, I think we need a, Tom Brady. Uh, That's what I was going for. I'm still down for Tampa. Tom Brady. Tampa Tom's still better than majority of the quarterbacks out there. He gets dubs. Uh, this is this isn't a sports sports podcast where we <laughs> just go in and I just dog on your teams, but he's he's done. <laughs> <laughs> do you um, done? maybe we done. gotta start maybe we gotta start a sports podcast i posted on the instagram today by the way and that was uh second in the running to mindset leadership and culture so i guess we're I'm maybe on you, something dude. i love it uh, Ray, what what you, i'm sorry you got to know that this is good this leads into a good thing because we're talking about rings and, and people who win championships but you had the chance to go out to the college world series with the university of arizona in 2016 uh, just kind of share a little bit about that experience to the audience and what what stood out on that team. And I know you weren't champions, but you were one pitch away from becoming champions. Uh, what like stuck out to you in that team and the team that you faced in Coastal Carolina that year? Um, when you when you put a team together, you you're gonna want leaders at all at all levels. You know, freshman through senior, you want that, but you definitely want it from your star athletes as well as just because, you know, they're the guys that naturally get drawn to, and then you're older athletes. So seniors, you've been in the program for four years at that point. Uh, one, you're you're kind of just thrown into a more contrib- contributing role. Um, one, and then two, uh, people just look to you for answers. You know, you've been around around it. So uh, we had the perfect storm of, of that. Um, several uh, players seniors older older guys that maybe didn't produce as much as they could have when they were freshmen sophomore juniors um but they really stepped up then so we had that we had the pitching that really carried us um and that's key with kind of everybody and then the biggest thing was we never felt out of a game you know Mm -hmm. and and i think some of that comes from uh the quiet confidence of a lot of the older guys who had seen the ups and downs and, and seen the length of a college season along with kind of that energy and, and um, excitement that the younger guys brought to. So for a perfect team like that to just come together, it's, it's crazy. But I think really the older guys and the leadership carried us so far, you know? Yeah, that's uh, it's it's fun to hear about good teams, and I know for both of us, we like to research really peak performers and, and good championship squads too. We love good coaches. You had the chance to coach with Johnson for a long time, and you're basically his right hand man for a while. Like you guys were hand in hand, talked every day, and it's cool to watch that and see that. But to just hear you say that the leaders on the team, and sometimes the star wrote down stars need to lead. Like it's one thing to be really good; it's another thing to lead. And I think if you're a star and you can be at least a little bit of a leader and it doesn't mean you have to be vocal and yell at people and tell them what to do, but just do things the right way and and carry yourself the right way. That energy translates and radiates amongst your whole team. And that's where I believe like for you guys, a lot of people, uh, they kind of suffer their ego a little bit to 
increase the chances of the team winning games. And that's where championship teams come. You kind of tuck the ego away for a little bit, dominate, work on what you need to work on for the betterment of the team. Uh, so that was, it's exciting to watch and to see you guys on TV competing against another team who I'm sure had similar things inside that clubhouse. Uh, probably very, very similar. Really awesome. Yeah, and and I Coach Gilmore and, and Coastal Carolina is a very good school, and they did a great job. But yes, I'm still bitter about it. Yes, <laughs> I, I, you know, one bad hop or whatever would have gone our way. But you know, the thing is with their team too. If you look at their roster, they're a team put together of a lot, several older guys, um, that played top tier, and and won in some tough environments, just like us. It was a, it was a mirror Im- image, um, you know, coming up from the other side of the bracket. And, and again, the veteran leadership on that team, I think, is what carried them. Um, one, I can't remember his name, but uh, their short little left fielder that made incredible plays and hit the ball mm-hmm. over the yard all weekend, um, you know, it was a spark plug for him. And, and that's the kind of guy that you need. You, you can't have a team full of screamers. But you can't have a team full of quiet kids either. That doesn't work. You need the you know the full mishmash. Yep, I, I agree. You got to mix it up a little bit, and, and just that chemistry piece, right? It goes back to chem- chemistry and synergy. It's why you see some programs or teams have elite athletes and go buy all these athletes and players, and then they just don't mesh, right? And some coaches need to be with certain teams, and others need to be somewhere else. Um, I've got a question for you, Ray. We talked a little bit about greatness and like the greatest and what it looks like, but how do you sustain greatness? I think there's a difference. Like you, you become great overnight. It seems like Bellinger became great last year or the year before, and then this last year was so-so to say the best. Like you see some people who become great overnight, and then you see others who have that quiet, humble, like humble confidence in themselves, and their greatness lasts over a lot of years of championships, warriors, uh, patriots, you say the Yankees for a while, the Red Sox, right? Even the Astros, everything aside, like, what's the difference in that, do you think, and just overnight greatness and sustained greatness? And like, how do you, how can you do that as a program? So I think it's a two-parter because you can look at it, like you said, as a program or a a player, an individual. I think an individual gets to... Mm gets gets to feel that overnight success um i don't think you get to see that much as a team um one because the team itself takes so long to form um the team is always evolving uh, if you could Mm. look at it that way whereas the player is the player and even though he's going up and down he's looked at as a player um I think athletes get to experience greatness overnight because they get the chance to hit the game-winning shot or the um, hit the walk-off home run. But teams, teams that are great have to have sustained it. Like you, you named off three or four teams: the Yankees, the um, you know the Warriors. Well, those those teams weren't great because they won one. Those teams are great because they won over time. So, like I like I think you said sustaining greatness comes a lot more from the team aspect and in order to do that you have to one have guys that are willing to get better every year because not a year one yeah great fluky maybe now you have to find a way to sustain that over a season so everyone has a tar- you have a target on your back you're going to get everybody's best shot so you got to be better than you were the year before mm. then you got to find new ways to do it because you know 
you know, the arms are just different or maybe you have a different guy at shortstop or, you know, the team evolves. So how do you do it this year? And again, that kind of goes back to the leadership. If you have the right leadership in place, um, which is tough in college because you're constantly cycling through those guys, mm-hmm. you know, big league clubs get to keep Mike Trout for 12 years. You know, we, we have to find a new guy in every class. Um, and really the goal is to find 35 of them. Mm. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And, and finding 35 of them should give some people some hope out there of like, geez, like that's pretty cool that that's what a program's looking for is not just one leader, but a program of 35. Like they want everybody to lead, everybody to do it the right way. And when you start talking about that, I, I might have botched the question a little bit, but going from both, and you're right, it's probably a two-part question. Um, but when I think of like a Mike Trout, like that dude sustained greatness for so long. Like he's on pace to shatter every record. The guy is a beast. And a kid today asked me, like literally asked me today, he said, uh, who, who do you think is the greatest player in the MLB right now? And at first I thought Mookie Betts, then I thought Mike Trout, and I was like, actually, I think it's Trout. Like, there's no doubt. This dude is humble, confident, dominates. He shows up. His body's always in shape. He plays hard. He does things the right way, and, and Mookie is definitely number two or three. But um, in my opinion, Trout, but when I see that greatness, they just have consistency and routines, and they do things the right way, and they trust in their self, and they trust in their process. It's different. Mine's different than yours, which is different than Bellinger's, but whatever works for us to get us ready to play in the game and compete at our highest level, I think that's where greatness is found. And the people who are constantly changing mechanics and changing things, yes, I think it's important to adapt and to learn yourself better, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We're full of sayings today. And, and that's, that's where it is though, right? Like if it's working for you, keep doing it. We don't need to even tweak more things to get even better because oftentimes we overthink it when that happens. And, um, the result of our success was from our simplicity in our process. What do you think Mike Trout sees himself as? dude an animal when I, when I see mike trout look at himself dude i think like on the outside he's super humble but uh and inside he's super humble too but when he looks at himself i think he knows how good he is like he knows he's a great but he knows he's even he's legend legendary and leaves a legacy due to how he treats people he knows who he is uh, that's where and i think if you're the best in the world you know who you are in any industry like yeah you can have success in certain industries and you can be good but you're not the greatest and you don't sustain the greatness for more than five, six years. Like that's where true greatness is him, Kobe, Jordan, all those guys we named off and you're eight on the list. That is true greatness, right? They, for the most part are really good people as well. And, and they do things the right way. They treat people the right way. They know who they are. Let's go Yelich. Yelich I would mm. consider is a great player. Yeah. He's had, he did not have a great year. Does it take one year for the guy to have, you know, become not great anymore? Is he still great if he has another bad year? What do you think? Ooh, that's a great question. If he has another bad year... Does I he become good? No, I don't think he's necessarily not going to be great. I think it's got to be more than just another bad year. Two in a row, that's tough. Like, if you're talking about the greatest of greatest, but I want to see how he comes back. So I think you have to kind of do like a case study on it for the next five, 10 years. Like maybe he does have two bad years and maybe he's in his own head and domed up, but then he, he hires someone or gets the help he needs from somebody else inside the organization that helps him think a little differently and get out of his own head and, and dominate. And, and so not that I'm saying he was in his head or anything like that. I just truly believe that even if he has a bad year, I think you got to give him some more time. Dude, he's a, he, that dude rakes. He's good. So, okay, let me go to the other direction. My boy, okay. Timmy Lincecum. Oh. Okay, Tim Lincecum, Cy Young Award, 
won a World Series, and then disappeared. Is he was is he great? That's that's a great question, and you're trying to stump the Schwab, but the Schwab can't be stumped. <laughs> uh, I think with with Tim Lincecum, dude, he was he was great in the fact that he was underrated. He was smaller for most dominant pitchers who threw hard at the time, especially in his you could say era. I mean, his recent, but even then, we didn't see as many mid nineties to upper nineties arms as we do now. And I think he was great in his own fashion. Do I think he's great though overall? No, I don't think he's one of the greats. The greats okay. leave behind a legacy. They, he, he was a great athlete, yes. But like, if we're we're going greatness, dude, like we're going epic legacy. Magic Johnson, like like Larry Bird, the people who have changed the game, dude. I, so we're going goats, greatest of all time. Exactly, that, that's the category we're in. Greatness. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, let me let me get you Tim Litzcom stats, uh, and then you oh. tell me. <laughs> lay it out lay it out for me okay definitely more home runs on the road because it's impossible to hit a home run there in 1682 innings he only gave up 1500 hits he struck out 1700 people 1736 he only walked he walked less than 700 660 how many Cy Youngs in World Series three World Series three or two or three two, two times Cy Young 2008 and 2009, four All-Star games. <laughs> okay, only four? Led the league in strikeouts per nine in 2008, 2009, and 2010. Oh, okay, that, that's pretty dominant. Man. You might have changed my mind, but I'm, I'm kind of a Giants hater. Uh, you for, are. <laughs> I know for our thing. Reno and Bay Area folks out there, you guys are uh, probably turning in your graves, but hey. <laughs> maybe he is great maybe he is great okay you, you might have okay. convinced me a little bit but how many okay. years was that 10 15 it's a 10-year career in the big leagues that's impressive but i don't know if that is that hall of fame worthy okay but what are we that's are we the going? greats get the greats okay so is is trout a hall of famer yeah, right now first if ballot. he gets hurt if he gets hurt tomorrow first ballot mickey man a hall of famer no i don't I don't think it's a first ballot slam he's dunk hurt. if he gets hurt tomorrow. He's a slam dunk still. That dude is an animal. Okay, then what great athletes are separating themselves off the field, on the field, you know, with their work ethic and then mentally. Is there one thing maybe other than consistency that really brings that all together? Or is consistency the, really the glue that just holds all of that together? I, I, I believe it's consistency. Yeah. Consistency is unbelievable. That, that's really what separates you from high A, double A, triple A, and the big leagues or um, high level SEC football from being drafted and playing on. Like, yeah, SEC, probably as good as the Jets, that's for sure. Like, and probably my Cowboys, man, unfortunately. But hey, they, that is what separates the grades. They're the most consistent. Watch Bull Durham, and it's only one more hit a week, buddy. You go from being a. <laughs> Joe Schmo to a big leaguer. That's, <laughs> that's what it takes. If it takes me visualizing a little bit more, um, really the belief in myself, if that's what it takes, you know, do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Greatness I don't think can be fully quantified. I think it's a mindset for sure. Um, and I think J.J. Watt said it best. We brought it up in our Leadership Academy. Mm-hmm. Success is an own, it's leased, and rent is due every day. Oh, I love the it. Mic. <laughs> that is fuego sauce incredible well hey man it's been good um 
and for you guys i hope you guys have uh, a great christmas uh merry christmas uh for you guys that are at camp or just finished up camp with us thank you for being there uh and if you are interested in getting involved in the leadership academy or any of our upcoming camps make sure you check out majorleagueuniversity.com uh anything else we got coming up or just kind of keeping that stuff under wraps keep it on the wraps we're, we're working on a few things here coming into the new year uh, it's going to be good to use these next couple weeks here before christmas and, and right after to brainstorm plan a little bit for the new 2021 and uh, kind of hit the reset button we've been going hard for a while it's been really really good we've experienced incredible growth this year and uh, hopefully helping a lot of people during a time where a lot of people need help so um, we're thinking of you if you need anything reach out to us same thing as Ray said, and I'm definitely excited for this new year. Merry Christmas. Crush it out. Have fun. Uh, enjoy the new year, and we are looking forward to this 2021 season and, um, and helping you guys on your path and your journey. Love it. Catch us next week. Goal setting. Big one. Mm. And we are rolling into the new year. Have a good night. Peace. Peace.